0: first reading is taken from Ezekiel, chapter 17. It's on page 844 in the Bibles. Ezekiel 17, starting at verse 22. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. I myself will take a shoot from the very top of a cedar and plant it. I will break off a tender sprig from its topmost shoots and plant it On a high and lofty mountain. On the mountain heights of Israel, I will plant it. It will produce branches and bear fruit and become a splendid cedar. Birds of every kind will nest in it, they will find shelter in the shade of its branches. All the trees of the field will know that I, the Lord, bring down the tall tree and make the low tree grow tall. I dry up the green tree and make the dry tree flourish. I, the Lord, have spoken, and I will do it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: The second reading is from St. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 13, reading verses 31 to 35, and these can be found on page 980 in the Bibles in front of you. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all your seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet I will open my mouth in parables, I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world.
2: This is the word of the Lord. As we stand, let's pray. Heavenly Father, in our best moments, we do indeed want to say, you alone are my heart's desire. And we do indeed, in our best moments, want to worship you and serve you and speak for you with all our hearts. So please encourage us through your word today to help us to do just that. For Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. Do please be seated. Now I want to encourage us all uh, this morning by looking at these two short parables from Matthew chapter 13. A parable of the mustard seed and a parable of yeast. Or rather I want the words of Jesus to encourage us more, more than my words Because in in Matthew chapter 13, we have two wonderful parables about growth. The mustard seed tells us that the kingdom of heaven may have insignificant beginnings, but don't be discouraged. There will be extraordinary growth. And the parable of the yeast tells us that the kingdom of heaven may appear hidden, but be encouraged there will be dramatic change. So the mustard seed brings extraordinary growth and yeast brings dramatic change. And I think we all need encouraging from God's word week by week because our daily experience, often as Christians, may well be one of discouragement. Perhaps as you set out for church this morning, you looked up and down the street and thought, I wonder if I'm the only person living in this street who's going to church today. Or perhaps you're the only Christian that you're aware of in your office or place of work. Or perhaps at uh, some sort of family gathering, you're the religious one, as they call it. And therefore you're the target for questions, not all of which are friendly I was at a neighbor's birthday barbecue last night, and one person said, it's great having the vicar here, because we can ask him all those questions we never get a chance to ask anyone any other time. And in many ways, it's a great opportunity, and the questions were, were fairly friendly. But there was one person who said, of course, it's a, the great tragedy of the last 50 years has been the complete collapse of two national institutions, the Church of England and the Conservative Party. (laughs) So I replied, well, I can't speak for the Conservative Party. And, of course, in many parts of the country, church attendance is in decline. We have to be honest about that. But I said to him, did you know that Church of England attendance figures in London has seen a 70% growth in the last 25 years? He said, oh, well, that's just London. (laughs) I said, did you know that at least 7,000 new churches have been planted in the UK since 1980? Yeah, well, anyway, the church, I'm sure, is in decline. (laughs) I said, I'm not sure, I don't think he's here today, but I said, if you'd like to come to St. Michael's Church tomorrow morning, you'll find a loving, caring, growing Christian community. We'd love you to join us. So sometimes we can feel a bit discouraged because it feels like not a lot is happening. But in these two parables of the mustard seed and the yeast, Jesus tells his followers that the kingdom will be marked by extraordinary growth and dramatic change. And this is a message to encourage Christians who can at times be a little disheartened. Not least, as we saw in, in the parable of the sower a couple of weeks ago, some seed will fall on deaf ears. Some seed Seemingly starts encouragingly but then withers and dies. But the word of God is cast, uh, the word is broadcast, that's where the word comes from, that's what a sower does. He broadcasts his seed on a wide front and some of the seed will bear fruit. 30, 60, 100 times what was sown. Now, before we dive into these parables, just a quick word by way of introduction about this phrase, the kingdom of heaven. If you notice, that's how Jesus has started all the parables we've looked at so far. Matthew chapter 13. We're on page 980, in case you've lost the place. Page 980, Matthew chapter 13, verse 31. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. Verse 33, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast. And it's important that we understand that this phrase, the kingdom of heaven, or as Mark and Luke put it, the kingdom of God, it simply means where God rules or where Jesus is king. So we're not talking about a geographical area, of course, but a spiritual area. And when Jesus first came onto the scene in Mark's gospel, he announced his arrival with these words, the kingdom of God is near. And the other important thing to understand about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, it's the same thing, is that it's something that exists both in the present and in the future. So, for example, with the parable of the sower a couple of weeks ago, Jesus describes what sowing the word of God is like in the here and now. And as people hear the word and come under the rule of God they enter the kingdom of heaven this is what it's like now in the present some will hear some won't hear some will hear and respond but there's also a future dimension of the kingdom of heaven where the reign of Jesus will be absolute when the trump of God will sound rejoice because Jesus the judge will come and Jesus describes the growing kingdom um, in the parable of the wheat and the weeds, if you were here last Sunday. He describes the growing kingdom now in the present, but he also refers at the end of the parable to the harvest, which is the coming judgment at Jesus' second coming, which of course is at some point in the future. And this um, tension between the kingdom now and the kingdom not yet. The kingdom present and the kingdom in the future is uh, illustrated in the next slide, where you'll see that, that Jesus, uh, the kingdom starts when Jesus arrived, uh, his first coming, when he came and lived and died on a cross 2,000 years ago. And we're living in that shaded area because we haven't reached the second coming. And the shaded area is known in the Bible as the end times, the times between Jesus' first coming and his second coming, between the arrival of the king and when the king comes back to wrap it all up when Jesus returns in power and glory. And I think it's helpful to remember these two aspects of the kingdom, now and not yet, because Christians need to be optimists that Jesus is reigning now. He is king. And... That's what Jesus came to inaugurate 2,000 years ago. But Christians also need to be realists because Jesus has not yet returned and his absolute reign doesn't exist. We see evil prospering. Life is not always easy. So that's the kingdom of heaven. Enough waggling on the tee; time to reach for the driver. Let's look at the parable of the mustard seed, chapter 13, verses 31. And 32, Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all your seeds, when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree. So that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. So here we have a picture of insignificant beginnings that lead to extraordinary growth. And the point of the parable is to demonstrate the extraordinary power of Jesus' word to produce growth for his kingdom. Now, throughout Matthew chapter 13, we've had agricultural parables, and the seed is always the word of God. And the mustard seed is a tiny seed. Now, if this was a family talk, I'd produce a mustard seed for you. But you'll just have to put up with this one. There you are. And Jesus said that this tiny seed becomes the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree. Now, forget your um, mustard seed that you grew in primary school. You know, the mustard and crest that you put in your sandwiches. He's not talking about that seed. Forget the mustard seed that you sometimes see as yellow crops in a farmer's field that grows to about Three feet high. It's not that seed. For the horticulturalists out there, this is Salvadora persica. You can tell I've done my research here. I didn't know that off the top of my head. But this is a seed that can grow up to 20 feet high. And if this was a family talk, I would be having a couple of, uh, probably four strong people, carrying in that terracotta plant plant pot holder staggering in with the 20 foot high tree, just to make my point. But I rather like this image here of the full grown mustard tree, which does grow up to 20 feet high from that small seed. Now you can't miss Jesus's point here. The tiny insignificant beginning leads to extraordinary growth. Now, the context here in Matthew chapter 13, back at the beginning of the chapter, Jesus is teaching to a vast crowd, so big that he has to get into a boat so that he can address the whole crowd, and the crowd hear him gladly. And whether you believe in Jesus' teaching or not, you have to agree with the stats. In 33 AD, Jesus died alone on a cross. A few women and John stayed with him. Most of the disciples had fled, and this large crowd of Matthew 13 was nowhere to be seen on that dark day. But three days later, he rose again, and the disciples began to understand why he'd come. 120 disciples saw Jesus ascend to heaven 40 days later. And ten days after that, on the day of Pentecost, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God boldly. The seed started being sown by the apostles. And the result was, well, on that day alone, 3,000 new believers were added to their number and the word of God spread. So that today, over 2.5 billion people in the world would call themselves Christian The New Testament has been translated into over 5,000 languages out of a total of 6,000 plus worldwide. It was a small start, seemingly very unimpressive, but over 2,000 years there has been vast growth. 30, 60, 100 times and more what was sown. In 1895... Peter Cameron Scott, a Scottish-American missionary, arrived on the East African coast at Kenya with his sister Margaret and six others. There they are. Scott had been in the Congo for two years before that, but a near-fatal illness had forced him to return to Britain. But as soon as he'd recovered... He wanted to see the fulfillment of uh, the vision that he had of planting a network of mission stations across Africa. No church in the UK or in the United States would back him. So he got a few friends to support him. But within a year, they had established mission stations from uh, from the Kenyan coast right the way through to Lake Chad on the Nigerian border. Just over a year later, 1896, Scott died of Blackwater fever. Two years later, 1898, all, all bar one of that first eight group of eight had either died or returned home. But the African Inland Mission was born. And in 1995, 25,000 Kenyans gathered for the centenary celebrations of Scott's arrival. And they sang, to God be the glory, great things he has done. Too right. And that mustard seed of the word of God, sown 120 years ago, now numbers, just in Kenya alone, 22 million. In the last 15 years, the church in Africa has grown 51%. 33,000 new Christians in Africa every day. Net growth. That allows for those who've died as well. In Korea in 1900, there were no Protestant churches. Today, there are 7,000 churches in the capital, Seoul, alone. Here's the biggest one, Yoido Church. You might have heard of the pastor, founding pastor called Paul yong Cho. It has a congregation of half a million The capacity of this building doesn't really, the picture doesn't do it justice, it's 26,000. That's five times more than the Albert Hall can hold. They have to have several churches a day, of course. And indeed, they have live television link-up with various other places if half a million people are going to get to church. Last Sunday evening, we were hearing about the spectacular growth of the church in China, where today there are more Christians than there are members of the Communist Party. And soon they will have more Christians in China than in any other country in the world. This from a persecuted church, where missionaries were chucked out when the Cultural Revolution kicked off in the late 40s. Overall, the net growth of the Christian church around the world is 80,000 Christians A day. And 510 new churches are planted every day. The mustard seed is bearing fruit, praise God. The kingdom of heaven in the present is indeed growing. But in 21st century Britain, it is hard to understand. And rather like the guy at the party last night saying the Church of England is in hopeless terminal decline and the press predicting the wipeout of the Church of England in the next 15 years. It may be so in the Church of England, but that's just one little branch of God's worldwide church. But where the seed is sown, where the word of God is taught, there you will see real growth. So, King's Cross Church, just up the road planted a few years ago with 50, now numbers 500. Or in the city of London, St. Helens' Bishopsgate. About 50 years ago, the rector started preaching to a group of about 20 businessmen, Tuesday lunchtime. Now, Tuesday lunchtime, Thursday lunchtime, and at both of those, 500 to 600 people turn up hearing the word of God. The seed is being sown. At times we may feel despondent and discouraged. But let's lift up our eyes and see what God is doing in our city and in our world. And let's remember that the future kingdom will be filled with a multitude, as Revelation tells us, a multitude that no one can number. And let's have confidence in the words of Jesus that that word is preached will germinate and grow in the lives of individuals let's spread it in the office let's invite a colleague to a talk let's invite a neighbor to big questions or to alpha on the 21st of september let's offer to read the bible one-on-one with someone who's never actually opened the book let's read the bible daily with our children and if you're a grandparent or a godparent. You'll have fewer opportunities, but take the opportunity. Did you know that the vast majority of adult Christians actually come to faith before the age of 18? In fact, let's do a little show of hands. How many people here would say they came to a Christian faith before they were 18? There you are. That's my point. That means that the work we do with children is singularly important. And what's going going on out there and up there is at least as important as what's going on in here, if not more so. How important it is that we read the Bible with our children. Parents, you said as much. If you had your children baptized, that's what you promised you'd do. Are you doing it? Are you making use of the uh, resources that we can offer to help you do that? Are you thinking of sending your children away when they're a little bit older on Christian camps and house parties where where the seed will be sown and take root? Are we offering to serve on a summer camp or help with a holiday club? It really warms my heart that there are a number of people who are helping right now at camps around the country, given up a week of their annual leave to go and help sow the word at a summer camp. Other people giving up time to go and help with the St Barnabas Homerton Holiday Club. Let's have confidence that the Word of God will do its work. As the mustard seed is planted, so it will grow from insignificant beginnings to give vast growth. Secondly, and much more briefly, the parable of the yeast, verse 33. Jesus told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. Now here we have a picture of the kingdom of heaven, which may appear hidden, but gives rise, if you'll excuse the pun, to extraordinary change. Now we all know what yeast does. And uh, if this was a family talk, I'd bring in some dough with, uh, without any yeast in, or I'd bring a little sachet of seed and so, uh, of uh, yeast and some flour and water. But uh, rather like uh, the Blue Peter advertisement, um, here's a picture of what happens when dough has had a chance to rise. That's, that's the before. That's one. And then next one. One I did earlier. Google Images is much easier than preparing things for a family talk, I tell you. But the point of the parable is to show that the word of Jesus produces extraordinary change. It has a massive impact as it spreads throughout the lives of individuals and indeed it spreads out on a wide front through societies. I've been reading a biography of John Newton recently, The uh, slave trader, the drunk, the abusive personality whose life was turned around in a storm at sea. He started to read the Bible in the middle of the storm. I don't know what you do in the middle of a storm at sea, but John Newton started to read the Bible. He knew he wasn't right with God. The seed was planted. He turned to God. And it didn't just produce much fruit like the mustard seed. Like yeast, it spread throughout his life and indeed through him it spread like yeast spreading out through a loaf of bread to those around him so newton was converted to christianity he was a changed man he became a pastor eventually and he was he's probably most famous for campaigning for the abolition of slavery and had a particularly profound influence on characters like william wilberforce and earl shaftesbury and granville sharp and other abolitionists Men of influence and power who changed the country as the word of God took root. But we can see this influence of the yeast in our own lives. Just ten minutes of reading the Bible each day, the seed takes root. The yeast is worked into our lives. It changes our lives, our attitudes, our character just 10 minutes a day, just 20 minutes a week listening to a sermon, changes our lives, changes our attitudes, changes our character. One hour a week in a home group changes our lives, changes our attitudes, changes our character. At the end of his life, John Newton said this, I'm not what I ought to be. I'm not what I hope to be. I'm not what I one day shall be. In heaven, but I'm not what I used to be, and by God's grace, I am what I am. By God's grace, as the word is sown, little and often, so it spreads. It spreads in our lives, impacting, God willing, every area of our lives, so that we're not just uh, yeast in the little bit of our life that says Sunday morning, but yeast on Monday afternoon. Friday night, Saturday night at the neighbor's barbecue, wherever. It spreads through us to our families, our church, our colleagues. And please God, it spreads to reach a nation. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. Insignificant beginnings that give rise to extraordinary growth. And the kingdom of heaven, where Jesus rules, is like yeast. It appears hidden, but gives rise to an extraordinary change. May that be so for us, as the seed, the word of God, takes root in our lives. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you that you are king. We thank you that we can rejoice that the Lord is king. And we thank you that your kingdom stands and grows forever. Thank you for this picture of the mustard seed. Thank you for the encouragement of hearing about the church growing all around the world and indeed here in London. We pray you'd continue to grow your church here at St. Michael's. And we pray too that as the seed is sown, so like yeast in a loaf, that word would impact our lives. And from our lives, we would impact other lives. And that as a church, we would have an impact on this city and on our world. And we ask it for the glory of the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and King. Amen.